I'm going to crap all over oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> well, it might improve it, though. That's the problem. <laughs> Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. This is the podcast all about the stories we make while playing the games we love to play on, around, and even under the gaming table. Talking board games, tabletop games, (laughs) card games, all that jazz. And who's that gentleman laughing in the background? Well, it's the next Johnny Carson, David Letterman mixed in with a pinch of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Who are you, sir? Wow, that's a really tall order to fill there, um, Alan. My name's Chris Whiphan, and uh, I'm the host of Game All Night. What? Wait. What the hell is that? And that's what we're going to be talking about on this episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. We're going to get to know you, Chris. We're going to find out what you're doing. But more importantly, what is the story of how you got in to what you're trying to achieve? Well, really, uh, I've been gaming for a while. I've been involved with the hobby for a while, and... I just wanted to find a way to contribute that was different than what everybody else was doing. So after listening to God knows how many hours of other people do it, I said, I think I have a unique idea. And uh, the show was born shortly after PAX U. What is the show? Explain it away. And how did you build up to it? Well, the original pitch that I kind of came up with, I'm like, what if Jimmy Fallon, Saturday Night Live, and Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, all got together and became a board game show. We're not doing reviews. We're not doing playthroughs. We may do a live stream of a game someday, but that's pretty much going to be it. There's not even a board game on my set right now. So are we talking podcasting or are we talking video, sir? Uh, we're starting video, uh, but we're going to basically pull out the audio and it will be its audio cast as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because when you say Saturday Night Live and you say Space Ghost Goes to Coast, obviously I think video. And you have a magnificent setup because at the time of this recording, you just have your first episode out with a whole bunch of preview snippets. Am I correct in saying this? Yeah, yeah. We just posted the Roy Kennedy episode about a week ago. And the next episode, which is Flip Floor, is in final editing right now as we speak. I already mentioned how gorgeous the set is. It really does look like something out of a late night talk show television studio. How the hell did you manage that? Because you've got the couch. Now, obviously, your guests don't sit on the couch because people are going to be chiming in via webcam and whatnot. But you have the television over the couch. You're behind the stage desk. And your background is nothing but these gigantic wooden meeples. It's, It's so high quality right away. It just reeks of quality. What's up with that? Well, well, thanks. Hey, first of all, it was, I mean, it took a good month to get the set together and to build it up, but I knew I wanted that old school talk show, warm wood tone coloring and stuff with it. The wall of meeple, I, I don't know exactly where that came from. It was just kind of a brainchild of mine. And I'm like, well, I'm certainly not cutting them out by hand. So I reached out to a couple of the uh, the well-known vendors who do the laser cutting, and I found Broken Token was very amenable to helping me out. So I got a whole box of them. I've yet to release the number because I kind of might want to do something with that someday. Yeah, stained them up and spent about two days putting it all together. It's a labor of love, and I think it 
you know what the show is doing as soon as you turn on the show. You you know exactly what the premise is and you know exactly what's going on. And I think that's that's the key, right? Right. Absolutely. When I see this, and you can let me know if I'm getting too personal, <laughs> but that's what we like to do on the Tuesday night podcast is get in deep. It reeks of money. It just says, oh my goodness, this is such a fancy set. It looks like a television studio. And you have one of our nights doing production in the background, Sir Gary Pope working for you. So again, where's the money coming from? <laughs> How did it come together? If everyone wants to know everything about the making of Game All Night. Oh, wow. They're going to listen to this episode. <laughs> great, great. So I don't need a zero. I'll just point them here. That's fine. Boom. So honestly, the plywood behind me, that was 20 bucks at Home Depot. The wood to build it was hardly anything. $10 curtains from Amazon. The couch I had. My wife won the TV for a fitness challenge at work. So I think the desk was a $20 Ikea backroom special and flooring makes up the sides of this. So it's trying to be frugal and being able to spend the money where it counts. You know, I'm a photographer as well on the side. So the camera and everything is stuff I already have. Luckily, I didn't have a huge outlay of cost. I think the uh, the most expensive thing is trying to get the software and stuff sorted because it's a big ask. And you mentioned Gary and oh my goodness, I'm that typical creative who comes up with all these wacky things and then I just make him do it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> put him on the hot plate and tell him to dance. But it's a miracle that he's able to do what we're able to do. It's it's far from perfect, but it is amazing that we're we're pulling it off like right out of the gate. I'm just flabbergasted with the work he's doing behind the scenes. So this is in your garage? Is this in your basement? Where is the studio then? I uh, used to have a, 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 well, I still have a completely finished basement that I did with my father once upon a time. And this was my uh, home theater room that was uh, not really getting used much. You know, I decided to take it over and use it for this now instead. It's seeing another life and I'm just glad to be able to use it for something. It's in my basement, so it's always nice and cool down here. Now, the way the shows are edited, it almost seems like Gary Pope and you are in a television studio, meaning Gary is just in the other room. But realistically, where is Gary location-wise in relation to your studio basement? You mean he's not? Um, <laughs> is he? Is yeah. he there? Wow, we're really, you know, you're learning all about the sausage today. Yes, that is where we're going. And again, you can tell me to go to hell if you want to. I'm just super curious because I can guarantee if I'm wondering this, so many people will watch this like, holy crap, it's this board game show that looks like a late night talk show with all these high quality components. How in the hell? <laughs> so because you typically don't think of money, money, money when you see a board game YouTube show? Well, you know, it just, it had to be right out of the gate. It really did. But anyway, getting back to the question at hand, Gary is actually in Connecticut. I'm in a small suburb of Philadelphia called Schwanksville in PA. I, I can say that because I made a video promoting the town. Uh, so that's kind of out there on the internet. 
Right. That yeah. was the <laughs> response to the Irish person asking, oh, crap, come on, Alan. That Tip was, of the tongue phenomenon. Yeah, Dan with the, um, he's doing Huddersfield, and it's actually the UK. Don't tell him Ireland. He'll he'll get a little upset, oh, I Oh, my think. goodness. I'm so those, sorry. Those, those Yorkshiremen get up in a dander real quick. Yeah, absolutely. It's just my bad memory. I'm sure if I saw it, I would totally know. I'm trying to remember it. It was about the the designer that was just hired full time by Cool Mini or not, Eric Lang. Yes. Thank you, nice, memory. Nice. So Oof. it was about asking Eric Lang to include your town in the next game. So this is your hometown of uh, Pennsylvania. So a suburb of Philly, you said? Yeah, exactly. I'm about uh, 20 miles west of Philly right now. He works up in Connecticut. I work down here. And then, uh, you know, our last guest was calling in from Las Vegas. We got Germany calling in next week. So the nice thing about technology is that doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is our sleep schedule, really. Right. And luckily, you and me were in the same time zone because I'm from Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Small miracles. Small miracles. But how did you get into the industry? How do you have these contacts to look up individuals and ask them onto your show? It's really interesting. I've been on the periphery of the hobby, but I don't really consider myself in it. My only in was really with the Secret Cabal guys because they're very local. They're about an hour away. And I'll go to uh, to game night with Jamie and Chris and them and we'll hang out. But that's kind of been it. I try to be nice. I try to say hi. Uh, I met a bunch of people at PAX U, which was great because it gives you a lot of contacts and things. And then um, where I actually met Gary was out in uh, Gen Con. We decided that it would be a good idea to drive to Gen Con for one day to do the uh, Secret Cabal meetup from Pennsylvania. So that was a nine-hour drive out and a 10-hour drive back on Sunday. Uh, and man, <laughs> yeah. So we met a few people at the meetup. I went out with my friend Gil. Are you talking about Gil Hova? No, no. Gil Hova still thinks that I'm a uh, Jamie Keegy. Actually, it was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, so your friend Gil. Okay, so you out with friend Gil? <laughs> yeah, Gil Mello. He's around. His name is Dwarf Token. He does some of the stuff around some of the podcast shows. I just don't have a problem talking to anybody in the industry, and uh, I love meeting people. So it was very easy to start talking. And next thing you know, we're like, I have a, a list of friends and Facebook friends and people who are excited for the show and want to help. The response has been nothing short of amazing. Nobody said no. Chris, this is an amazing story because basically you're saying it was just because of your love of games and you just gamed with these individuals who are in the industry. So as you said, you're in the periphery of the industry. And you just naturally became friends across the gaming table from these guests that you will now have on the show. It's actually really cool. So what got you into gaming in the beginning? Uh, the gateway. So rewind to 2012, and I believe it would be the second episode of Tabletop. I was flipping around on YouTube, hunting down stuff. And for some reason, I came across the Ticket to Ride episode of Tabletop, which I don't forget if that was number one. If it was, it was like one or two and looking it up as you keep talking. Yeah, yeah. I got I got completely hooked. I'm like, this this is awesome. And the next thing you know, you know, I'm hosting game night with some friends and we're doing it as a beer and board game thing. People bring beer, people bring board games. Like that show too. That was that was a lot of fun. We were playing these games, and then next thing you know, I'm like, huh, I wonder if I should go to my local game store. It just was all downhill after that because... Ticket to Ride was episode four. Small Wonder was episode one, but continue, sir. Sorry. Okay, so four. So that's where I came in. 
and it just it it clicked and i love i've always been the guy who had the party games at the house right you know like i always had the taboo and i was always looking for the next balderdash and things like that so that was always in my life anyway but then you know this stuff i'm like oh special occasion gaming and then next thing you know it's taking over and i'm going to my game store to game nights and i'm we're playing games and I'm buying these games and making everybody else teach them to me. It was a joke because they're like, okay, what game do we have to teach you tonight? And I'd throw it down on the table and they teach me. It was just a slippery slope. And then about two and a half years to get my wife into it. And now her and I game like constantly. I'm like much rather turn on game than the TV. It's just so much better. Oh, wow. What are you guys playing lately? We're halfway through Charterstone together, so we're, we're kind of oh. working on that. She loves, she'll break out Bruges, uh, any of the Felds. She went to her first meetup by herself because we do some meetup groups. Whoa, so this is like the student becoming the master. She doesn't even need you anymore. She's like, I'm going to, wow, you really did do this. This is not a story of, honey, we're doing this. We're going bowling. I don't like bowling. Too bad. This is, she's into it. I go to look in the bag that she took that day and she came back and she had Bruges. She had in the year of the dragon sitting in there. Like she took some meat <laughs> with her and I'm like, dang, I raised her right. Now she regularly just kicks my butt every way to Sunday. It's awesome because she loves gaming just as much as I do. Very cool. Now you said you started in 2012 and from my calculations, it's the year 2018. So that means. All right. So let's see. You got the. Six. And you got the two. You got a carry. The subtraction. All right, and then yep. Ah, <laughs> six years of gaming. How big is your game collection now? It sits at just around five hundred. Wow, that's sizable. Yeah, and it, it. I don't want it to really get too much bigger, just because anything more than that, and you just have a lot of stuff that's not getting played. <laughs> right. After 500, it's just getting a little obscene. I mean, let's not be garish here and go over 500 games. I'm kind of at that point, that tipping point where if you want to play a game, A, you go through the registrar. Who am I going to play this with? Do they own it? Do I need to buy it? And, you know, I'm actually starting to make a decision. Oh, my goodness. It's definitely tough because, like, for instance, Gloomhaven didn't buy oh, it. Oh, yeah. I think it's awesome. Probably be a great game. Never see play in my group. But I can go buy a $150 18xx game and know that'll get played. I have very crazy uh, game groups that I play with. So I'm not necessarily cult of the new anymore, but I'm definitely cult of the new-ish. Gotcha. Because it's all about being in the area of someone who is in the cult of the new. You don't have to be in the cult of the new. Just one right. of your friends does. And yeah, exactly. that's good enough. That's the other reason I didn't want to be a reviewer, right? I don't want to have to deal with that schedule. It feels like it's taking all the fun out of it. Like when you do something you love and you make work out of it, oh, you'll never work a day in your life. I'm like, oh, no, you're going to work 10 times harder because now you, <laughs> you're like, oh, I used to love this. Now I don't. It, or I have to play this game three times. It's why reviewers always love everything they play, because why would you want to spend five games on a game that's complete and utter shit? You just don't want to do it. Right. No, that's totally true. <laughs> and I think that's what people have to realize. It is not entire random sampling when it comes to games that are <laughs> no. reviewed. Because if it starts sucking, you may even stop before you finish a whole game and you don't want to do a review on something you didn't even play all the way through. So ooh, that's a really good point. 
I want to go back for a second because you said you passed on Gloomhaven, which totally makes sense. Gloomhaven is like a marriage proposal. Will you play this game with me for the next three years on a regular basis here and there? <laughs> you just literally, I got it proposed to this afternoon. <laughs> Again. Someone I got... invited you to Gloomhaven? <laughs> yes. We got to do this. <laughs> and I'm like... I dude, I'd love to, but I'm in the middle of Charterstone. I'm in the middle of pandemic. No, I just can't commit. I committed and now I have what I call my secret Tuesday nights, which are <laughs> Thursday nights. So on Thursday nights, I just have one or two regular peeps come over and we play Gloomhaven and we've barely scratched the surface and I'm happy to report it's really getting good. I was thinking the story is kind of generic. I'm not sure where it's going to go. It gets to the point where you play one mission, and if you choose that mission over another, all of a sudden, all these other missions aren't available to you anymore. Because the story, yeah, it is interesting that way. But the reason I brought it up wasn't about the whole marriage thing, because it's one thing not to buy a game, but it's another thing to buy a game and then get rid of it. So have you begun to call any of your collection? Oh, yeah. I definitely call a lot. And some of it's in shrink. Because you're right. First Martians pre-ordered it. It sits on my shelf. It's sitting there in shrink. I really want to play it, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get to play it or not. Do I want to hold on to it or do I want to get 30 bucks for it and get half of another game? You reach a point where you're like, well, if it sits there and it's just going to weigh you down, it's just, I don't know. I think it's a lot of negative energy when you have things you want to do and you have glaring reminders that you're not doing them. That's a really good point. It's stressful because my yeah. game collection is probably grown to the obscene point now where there's more games in their shrink wrap that there's not. And Ugh. that's insane. So I definitely have some type of clinical problem going on <laughs> with my game collection. I got to get out. I have to ask, what was the first game you called? How was that experience? And how the hell are you calling games that you're getting money for them? Well, it's not like I'm making money on them, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but I'm making more than if I gave them the goodwill. When was the first one? I think it was probably Small World because I bought that real early. I love Risk. If you see any game shots of my, my gaming table, I have a couple Risk maps behind it because it's that was like my high school gateway drug. It still holds a special place in my heart. Nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, oh, small world. I should love this. This does everything I like and then played it. No, no, just I found that I really want to like area control, but I don't. It just it's one of those things that I'm I'm not good at, you know, aside from risk where you have the luck factor involved in such a degree. That's the only thing that keeps it interesting. Was there an emotional experience of letting go? Did you feel that you're betraying your game collection or is it pretty cut and dry? Not good enough. Got to get rid of it. Someone else will enjoy it more than me. Yeah, it was weird because I remember making my first auction and I remember putting a few games up there and it wasn't big. I don't even think it was a page. So you're talking board game geek? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely do a lot of culling there. I've moved to do a little bit on Facebook because I get a little more local love and I'd much rather drive to a Petco parking lot and exchange it with you than to uh, ship it a clear across the country. Gotcha. If I want to murder Chris, Facebook trade okay and i definitely like to do it like after 1 a.m so you're 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 <laughs> okay. in luck 
in the parking lot by the dumpster of Petco. Exactly. Can you climb in there while you're at it? Just make it easy for <laughs> right. Him. Right. Ignore all the plastic sheets that I've put yeah. down there. But once you start yeah. to see it move and you start to see like bids and I think the hardest part is you're attaching value to this stuff. I spent $60 on Small World and I bought the expansion and I hunted this down. So I'm like $80 in. I better get 60 for it. And then, you know, you get 20. Your party has to realize it's getting something out that I'm not enjoying or that I haven't been able to enjoy. It turned out to be a little cathartic. So now it's like, you know, I have a little ongoing pile sitting in the game room. And if something's not making muster or it's just not getting played or I break it out, my wife goes, this is horrible. I hate it. Or, you know, (laughs) then on the pile it goes. And, you know, when that reaches critical mass, out the door. So it used to be. I think it's part of every gamer's hobby when they reach a certain point where you need to, you know, we're not all Jason Levine here with unlimited storage space or Jeff Engelstein who has racks and racks in the basement. I'm like, most of us don't have that. You just need to let it go sometimes. Take a uh, word from Disney on that one. I'm working on learning how to let go. I remember the first time I let go of a game, it was Quarriers. And I was unhappy with Quarriers, but my wife liked it. And so it was one of these things where someone offered me money for my copy ah. of Quarriers. And it was a friend, too, and he really wanted it. It's like, man, I don't think I'll play this. And I'm such a weird Scrooge McDuck when it comes <laughs> to my games and having my game collection. Because now when someone goes into my basement and they see my racks and oh, racks yeah. of board games, they think, dude, you have more games than a game store. Yes, exactly. And I remember there was this whole guilt and shame of selling Quarriers because I didn't even give it away. I sold it. Inevitably, this is so pathetic. <laughs> you bought it again. I got again. a different copy of Quarries. <laughs> yeah, I did. It was it was just ridiculous. I'm like, all right, I have it back. And I showed my wife like, hey, we have Quarriers again. And she said, yay. We still have yet to play it. So I'm working on this because this is an addictive personality thing. I am not an addictive person, but when it comes to my board games, something weird is going on. Oh, you're right. I'm chasing the dragon. I'm chasing that thrill. Man, it's bad. (laughs) Well, you know, there are professionals who deal with these things, but I don't know. I'm one of them. I'm a psychologist. (laughs) That's the issue. My day job is teaching psychology and I practice for a while, but man, it brings me happiness. And my plan is to start giving away my collection to the knaves and knights of the podcast, which I've already started doing. If you come to one of our live shows, like at Gen Con, we gave away a crap ton of games. Okay. Yeah, if you're listening to this right now, Nave or Knight, come to some of our live shows. I'm going to try to get one at Origins, definitely Gen Con, and we we like to reward you for showing up. Yeah, get Alan's sloppy leftovers. Great. No, that's exactly (laughs) it. Yeah. And then if you're a true fan, you'll be like, oh, I remember when he talked about this game in episode 62, (laughs) whatever. I doubt that would ever happen. So you need to start like labeling the inside of the box and just say, I dissed this in 62. Yeah, I've been told this a couple of times. I need to stop drawing dicks on the inside of my box (laughs) covers because I do do that. Absolutely Uh, not. You mean don't stop don't doing stop. it? Don't stop, no. Yeah, that's my attitude, right? If, if you're not drawing them there, you're drawing them somewhere else, and that's probably exactly. the best place for it. And that's how you know it's legitimate, too. I've got right. my little dick characters going on. I mean, heck, these microphones look like it, and you might as well draw it. 
And the funny thing is, I'm not even kidding. We did one of these pledge levels on our Kickstarter where you could get a message written on the inside cover of your copy of Two Rooms in a Boom. And many of those people got penises drawn. And so I got some people saying back like, hey, don't draw penises on the inside of your box cover. How dare you? How dare you? You were at PAX U, right? I wasn't because I was at Board Game Geek Con. Oh, you were one of those. Traitor. No. Um, well, it's tough. My business partner lives in Dallas, so it's oh, so yeah. convenient. And we've got history there. I'm hoping they're not at the same time anymore because, man, definitely some FOMO going on, fear of missing out. But there was uh, the guy who did uh, Joking Hazard was there. Um, and the artist was there and he was drawing on the boxes. We could commute in. So I brought my game box on the second day and, and my awesome gamer wife, while I was working at Capstone's booth, she ran over and he drew on my box. And of course, he he gave the guy a boner. It was great. It's just like he's got a lasso and a boner. I'm like, well, if I had a lasso, I totally have one. I, right. I get it. Yes. So you're yeah. not alone in, you know, dicks on boxes. I think that should be a new campaign. And in my defense, if you wanted a special message, we would write it for you. But if you just left it up to me, you're getting dick, man. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, enough about my show. Let's go back to Game All Night. I'm supposed to be the fourth guest on there. Super psyched. In fact, right after we're done with this, yep. I'm hopping on the webcam and we're doing your episode of Game All Night. What can people expect? What's the forum? What do we go through? What's phase one, act two, the plot twist, the M. Night Shyamalan man? What happens? We tried to do an interview that's about 45 minutes or so in length. You know, we have a little intro. I like to throw in a commercial. Maybe someday somebody will pay for one. Who knows? I saw the commercial for Yellow first episode. <laughs> and I'm always Yellow because no one else wants it. And as the game host, I've got to be the Yellow character. Anyway, go ahead. If you're listening to this and you don't know what I'm talking about, his first commercial is a charity for Yellow because Yellow gets no love. It did not. Except for yeah. me. Well, you know, it's funny. Flip is putting together something, too, that's uh, in praise of yellow. So I thought it was very apropos that I was doing that at the same time. Trying to throw like little comedy bits in there, little routines, kind of like the late night shows do. I want to have a game with the guest. If you're a fan of like Fallon, he loves to do little games at the end of uh, his shows with guests and things. I think it's a signature part of the show. And I, I love doing it. It's a lot of fun. Like, I had Gary mail things to both myself and Roy for our game. I had my wife mail things to Chaz Marler for the game we're playing later this week. It's, you know, trying to be something different and something catchy is key for me. Wrapping it up, we do a top five countdown where I source it on the net. I ask you guys a question at the beginning of the week. Sometimes I'll ask the guest if it's been up in time. People out there are pretty darn funny. I'm not the only funny person in the... Well, right now I'm the only funny person in the room, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, you son of a gun. See what I did there? Um, <laughs> I am talking uh, to myself, kind of, sort of. Other than that, just trying to have fun. And that that's kind of the key, right? Is I wanted to do something different and do something fun. And I, I, think, we're, I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. I think it's exciting and I've subscribed and I can't wait to see how the show evolves and changes because inevitably it always does. People getting into their comfort zone, more and more subscribers, more followers, which means more feedback. It's going to be fantastic. So did you just guarantee that all the feedback will be fantastic? Because I'm, I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> 
So when I say fantastic, it's fantastic that you'll be getting feedback. But am I going to tell you that there's going to be no haters whatsoever? No haters on the internet? Yes, that is what I'm telling you, Chris. Uh, No one will hate your show. You will only get nice things. And you have. That's great. (laughs) Good luck with that, sir. Especially considering, you know, we're my last interview was with Crystal Paisano. We went right for girls in gaming. Like, we got to talk about it. So we did. This is a thing, guys. This is not going to be a sausage party. We'll we'll make dick jokes all day long. There's got to be room for some other jokes in there, too. I'm with you. How should we go ahead and find you? What's the best way to find Game All Night? We got really lucky when we chose our name. How did you choose your name? I, I think I was drunk, uh, and we were just... <laughs> We just had this running document of choices. Well, it needs to be like a late night and it needs to have that feel. I hate hearing my own name. I'm one of the weird ones. So like I didn't really want that to be like, you know, game all night with Chris Whippant. No, I just I wanted something that was just small, but told people exactly what it was. You know, it just kind of stuck. It came out of nowhere. Gary, myself and uh, Reuben Fisher is doing our audio. We were just chatting one night and I'm like, that's it. That's the name. And then we started looking and I'm like, guys, Game All Night Show is available everywhere. Now we have to spell night N-I-T-E, but then we can get. Which is the opposite of how we spell night at Tuesday Night Games, because we spell it. Kniggit. With a K. Yeah, you're Kniggit. Yeah, Kniggit. <laughs> and you guys are without the G. So ours is spelled with a K and yours is spelled without the G. <laughs> You can find us at Game All Night Show everywhere. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Apparently, Gary says there's still people there. Check even on Pod Pledge everywhere. We're, we're around YouTube. We're gaining momentum, and it's really cool to see some of that stuff grow. The other thing is trying to come up with this uh, alternative board game media kind of vibe like you guys were talking a little bit about it and with the board to life guys last week oh you're a knave you sir well now you're a noble for being a guest so congrats on going right from knave to noble i can get like free junk games now awesome that's right tell you what we'll exchange (laughs) junk games at origins this year how's that no i will not accept any games from you unless it's the dumpster of petco sir Uh, i'll have to i'll have to check that out but i'm sure there's a petco near (laughs) columbus near the convention center somewhere (laughs) there we go but deal we're all trying to do something that's allowing us to engage our hobby but in a different way And I think that, you know, that's important. I think just like we want to explore different ways of play, I think we want to explore different ways of consuming this media. Because let's face it, man, there's only so many reviews of certain games I can watch and only how many people have my voice. It's just like it, it gets old after a while. And I think we want something fresh. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that I think that your show and hopefully this show has too is that there's an entire microcosm of a society within the gaming world. If you watch or listen to the show, it kind of brings you into it because now you get to know the people behind all the work of the games, the designers, the artists, the publishers, etc. So when you do go to a show, you have an in and you won't feel perhaps so estranged if you're going to play a game across from Stephen Bonacore or Travis Worthington or, you know, even some of the great designers. So it's just one of these ways of feeling the pulse of what's going on inside of the gaming industry. Because there's plenty of other media that does that. There's so much behind Hollywood and behind music. Why not the gaming world too? Exactly. As the hobby grows, there's more and more available for it and more and more 
things to draw from and things to pull out of it and little things to make fun. You know, Bored with Life does an awesome job and outside the box. Oh, my God, those guys kill me. Just like the sketch stuff. I, I really love that because it's always entertaining. And that that's kind of where we went. And we like wanted to do something that, you know, when you go to hit YouTube, the only thing that's going to date this is going to be how awkward I am initially, right? That's going to get better. But the content's still relative. You know, it's like the interview's still the same because, you know, I didn't talk about 45 minutes about the Kickstarter you're about to launch. Right. Yeah, it's cool. We'll tag it. We'll talk about it. We'll try to release it so that, you know, you're relevant and you're top of mind when it comes out. It can't be the whole deal of the show. Right. Absolutely. I don't watch an interview with Ryan Gosling to just know only about his new movies coming out, yeah. even though that's why he's paid to do it. Right. I want to know more about Ryan Gosling because I got a guy crush on him. Totally. I mean, how else are you supposed to stalk these people? I mean, you got to start somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just waiting for him to slip up and let me know where he's going to be at what time. Right, so. right. <laughs> I need me some fresh mm. Blade Runner jackets. That's what I need. <laughs> right. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. I think we should bring this to a close because I got to go to makeup and wardrobe to get ready for my appearance on Game All Night Show. Awesome. With you. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. Please follow us on Twitter. We're at PlayTKG or write in podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. I'm Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R-Ding. You can follow me all over social media somewhere. And I think with that being said, this episode is... It is over. You son of a gun. You cannot say it's over. The words are finished. How dare you? Oh, man. To do that on this show before I go on your show, good luck. <laughs> good luck with me on your show now. Uh. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Please tune in next week as we talk about some frustrating times that we've had within the tabletop industry. Special thanks to Sir Delton Brack for editing this episode. Special thanks to Bill Wetzel for working on the Two Rooms in a Boom app. It's official. You can check it out on iTunes, right? Meow. And a special thanks to all of you that have written us reviews on iTunes. It's listeners like you, or should I say knaves like you, that allow listeners like you to find this podcast. Stay frosty, everybody.